What do a pair of deadly assassins, a beefy pile of roided up high school football players, a zombie outbreak, huge dragons, and a himbo barbarian have in common? You can find them all in the upcoming pages of the Santos Sisters. That's right. Ambar and Alana are back for more gripping adventures. Once again, Offset Press printed in full color on your favorite decadent newsprint. Prestigious publication. The Comics Journal. Love the first issue. Calling it a highly entertaining comic. And Katie and Sally from the Thick Lines podcast called it a masterpiece. And more than they deserve. And who are we to disagree? The Santos Sisters. Is available now. Don't miss out. Ask your favorite comic book retailer to add it to your pull list today or find it online at santosisters.com. 73 minutes before you die, your eyes turn a vibrant violet. There is no action to reverse this ocular ticking clock toward death. Less than an hour and a half to live, what would you do? Welcome to the world of Purple Eyes. 32 creators bring you 18 stories of humor, heartache, and humility, with tales from some of the top creators in indie comics, such as Valeria Araya, Llewellyn Polanco, Mario Candelaria, and Philip Myra. Now on Kickstarter until June 15th. Physical and digital copies of the book are available as well as custom commissions and the opportunity to be drawn into several stories. Get your copy of the summer's most talked about anthology at Purple Eyes on Kickstarter or at purpleeyescomic.com. Athenium Comic Art is an original art website for some of the best cartoonists in the business. They currently represent Remy Boydell, Marie Capel France, Nicole Gu, Jonathan Hill, Emma Hunsinger, Casey Nowak, Micah Song, and Tilly Walden. Athenium Comic Art gives fans the opportunity to own original piece of art from their favorite comics and support the artists that they love. In their short time in business, they've already shipped many iconic pages out to hardcore fans across the globe. Don't miss out on your chance to own a one-of-a-kind piece of history. Check out their website, AtheniumComicArt.com, and type in Gutter Gang at checkout to receive free shipping on your first order. Again, the website is AtheniumComicArt.com, and the code is GutterGang. outlined how accounting practice fuck? Well, did not what kind of likeness is that if they were great artists they'll be in a museum and fucking fodder for cartoonists now Lovelies, you're listening to the Gutter Boys. I'm your host JB with my co-host Cam. We are a small press comics podcast about the ins, the outs, the highs, and the very deep, endless lows of making comics. In it, 
On this episode, we are joined with a uh, past guest, Josh Pettinger, renowned creator of Goiter Comics. Just recently uh, wrapped up work on the Werewolf Jones and Sons Summer Fun Annual with previous Gutter alum Simon Hanselman as well. Quick sellout, I heard. Congratulations, boys. But yeah, yes. Josh is back on this episode. Josh is back. He is the first guest that we've had back on our main feed. I thought about that, actually. Jasper. Not counting Jasper, because that was technically not an interview. <laughs> well, Drug was... Dogs has been on like five motherfucking times on main feed, I think. Has he? Yeah, because any time that we uh, just didn't have a guest, we'd be like, bring Dylan on oh. pretty early on. Because <laughs> yeah, we, we knew he had a mic and he was always cool to talk to. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We're, this is Gutter Boys 2.0. Yes. Which means it's shittier. Yeah, yeah. But so, more renowned for some reason. But more renowned, right. Shittier, yeah. but more renowned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're taking a page out of Vince McMahon's book. Yeah. We're going to be using more cool, already dated Gen Z lingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're uh, going cap. to... Yeah, we're going to be capping. Uh, this podcast is now officially bussing. No cap. So yeah, we have Josh on the show. Since we've already talked to him before, this one is less about sort of how he got into comics and his, his you know, his development or whatever, and more about his current uh, rise of fame and how he's uh, sitting on the top of the comics mountain. Just like he always knew he would. Yep, exactly. Yep, yep. And uh, what the view is like uh, from all the way up there past the clouds, uh, down below on the peons and piss ants like us. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's in the process of getting the blue check, I hear. Oh, very good. Yeah, no, that, that's a joke. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, we got to no, verify Josh Pittenger's account. Yeah, uh, verifying people. But no, yeah, we had a good chat, catch up chat with Josh. It is very interesting. I don't know uh, if I said it on the air or not, but just how much of a different place he's in now. Um, so it is, you know, interesting to catch up with him now, you know, a couple of years later. Um, so it's a good conversation nonetheless. And he tackled all your questions, which you all sent a lot in. Yeah, so before we get into our... Our little tea room chat over biscuits with uh, Josh Pettinger. Uh, we do have some shout outs and some news. Yep. Uh, let's let's start with a, with a positive note. Let's go with our shout outs first. All righty. So as always, if you want to send us books, you can. You can uh, DM us on Instagram at gutterboyspod or send us an email at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. We definitely love to take a look at everything you all send us. We'll shout you out on the show and uh, also post it on our Instagram. Uh, first book came from a uh, friend of the show and Columbus native, Ethan Pope. Uh, he sent us over the first issue of Mama Mojo. We met Ethan at the show that we did as part of the retreat in Columbus, and uh, he's a student over there that uh, I believe Amy Guinness and uh, Craig have him in some of their classes or did. Very nice kid. And um, yeah, his work is really incredible. Some hyper violent vibes. Uh, great cover. Uh, if you're going to do an homage cover, do it like this, folks. Uh, you can find Ethan on Instagram at epope underscore inc. Yeah, that's someone we need to have on the show at some point. Yeah. Before uh, he gets priced out from our, 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 you know, our affordability range here on, mm -hmm. on the Gutter Boys, because I feel like he's going to be a hot commodity in the coming years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because like... Uh, the work that he's making, and this is not a diss at all, you know, just reading, just reading Emmy and Craig's work. It's great that, you know, this kid is making stuff like this because it's not what I would expect, you know, just under someone under their tutelage. So, um, and like I said, that's not a diss. Um, no, I know what you mean. I know what yeah. you mean. His work is like, I don't want to say traditional. It's definitely more influenced by manga. Yes. Yes. Uh, than anything else, but not in like an embarrassing way, you mm -hmm. know, not like in a cringy, like, let's make the comic be read backwards. <laughs> 
<laughs> to make it more manga. Let's invert our book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, nothing like that. It's just straight up like taking all the things about uh, contemporary manga art and bringing it into sort of the small press scene. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's very clean and well done. Yep, exactly. The next shout out goes to our friend Cole Pauls, who sent over his newest comic zine, Arctic and Dean Games. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, did you get a copy of this, Cam? I did. Yes, I didn't post this one on Instagram yet, but oh, we will. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, and this one's really fun. It's basically I, I don't know if you want to call this auto bio. I guess it could technically be called auto bio. Anyway, it's about these games uh, that uh, he and his classmates played over in Alaska, I believe. Is he in, he's, is he based out of Alaska? Uh, Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay. So I, I just, my brain went no, somewhere north, uh, especially yeah. if you're into Alex Null's work. I feel like this would be right up your alley. Hell yeah. And you can find Cole online at Tundra Wizard on Instagram. And then uh, we also got a couple of books from uh, listener Eric Jasek. He sent over issues one and two of Invasion on Isle 2, as well as Jurassic Soup, a collection of comic strips from 2019 to 2021. Uh, really, really awesome stuff. I uh, love the colors that he uses on these, especially on that cover. It's like a nice sort of muted. It reminds yeah. me of Rocco's Modern Life for some reason. This is like, uh, it's such a unique style in these books. Um, it almost looks like it's ready for cartoon adaptation. And I don't mean that as a in a bad way. It's just so stylized that uh, it, it just looks prime and ready to go. It is a pretty funny comic, though, in all honesty. I was uh, checking it out, and I read the first issue. I haven't gotten around to the second one yet, but uh, the first one was very promising. And um, I really like the style he's working in. Yeah, good work, Eric. Uh, I really do enjoy also the name Jurassic Jasek. Yeah, that's your Instagram name, Jurassic Jason. Give him a follow. Also, going back to the auto bio realm, we got sent a copy of Forever and Everything, number eight by Kyle Bravo. Kyle had sent us some stuff before, and, uh, you know, it's just more auto bio work uh, of his, you know, perspective in the world of uh, being a family man and navigating this uh, post pandemic world. Uh, really nice printed, as always. Uh, you can find Kyle Bravo online at Kyle underscore Bravo underscore. All right, and then past guest friend of the show, Max Huffman, sent over three new zines over to us. They are uh, three new issues of Hypermutt, uh, issues one through three, and uh, I have I, I don't have them yet in hand. Cam does. Cam, what do you think? Yeah, as always, I think Max is one of the most interesting, exciting cartoonists uh, working today. Yes. Max is back with his new series that is actually being serialized on his Patreon. Uh, you can find him online at Max Huffman on Instagram, and uh, I'm sure he's got a link to his Patreon on there, but you can actually subscribe and get Hypermutt delivered to your mailbox. Shout out to Max for sending those. Uh, usually I was buying his work, but I just knew this would eventually get collected into a book and I was going to pick that up, but um, I'm really happy to have these. And uh, yeah, JB, I got a big box to send you soon of some submissions and those are in there. Um, but yeah, great work as always, Max. Pushing the envelope, man. Yeah, much appreciated, Max. All right, we also have three zines. Uh, looks like these are mini comics. Uh, Wax Darts, one, two, and three, uh, by Dan Welch and James Cherzan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, well, uh, the consistent here is Dan sent him over. He d it's a split with a different artist oh, every issue. Oh, I see now. So, I see yeah. now. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Number two is with uh, Carly McCown. And it uh, looks like number three is with John Pirard. Yeah, um, these are really fun, actually. When you when I send these over to you, they're pretty fucking wild, man. 
Number three, especially, it's like he must have just Googled like interesting bookbinding methods or something because like I've never seen anything like this. It like opens mm. up from both sides and like the cover is a comic, each cover, but then there's a staple in the middle. So it's two separate books. It's fucking wild. I can't even explain how it's done. But this dude's, uh, you know, doing work with uh, different artists that are super stylistically different. Each issue, you know, you don't really have a thread that weaves them together outside of, you know, the curator uh, collaborating with, uh, you know, his artist that he chooses. Uh, um, it also says they're open to submissions, so if you want to submit and do a split comic with uh, Dan, you can hit him up at fathers underscore puka, P-U-K-A, underscore shells dot E-X-E. Uh, really fun stuff, though. Uh, something completely different in each issue. I applaud the effort. Uh, I'm excited to see more. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I look forward to getting those in the mail from Cam. And uh, I think, yeah, that's it for shout-outs. So Breaking let's get news. right into news. Uh, we... <laughs> Uh, initially didn't yeah this is breaking news because initially we didn't really have much to talk about other than like i don't know a few uh things coming down the down the road eventually but uh this one uh popped up on our feed and boy is it is it a spicy one uh, <laughs> uh so it looks like tcaf announced today that one of their featured guests for this year's event is a renowned nft creator pink cat and then immediately they started listing like other actual cartoonists. Yeah. <laughs> and these so are the funny. people that they have chosen to like pay transportation and lodging for and feature as a guest. This isn't like, oh, this person's tabling here. This person's tabling here. TCAF's like such a big show that when they announce guests, they like give them the red carpet treatment. So, yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because clearly somebody had to do some amount of research on who to select as a guest for the event. You know, it's it's not like they're just taking a hat full of names and then just randomly picking them out. It is, I'd imagine, at least some sort of process involved with a board of people. And so it's just that just makes it even more wild. The fact that all of that led to them selecting an NFT creator. Yeah, because, <laughs> uh, again, it just why would you do that? Why would you purposefully shoot yourself in the foot? Especially this is like the first TCAF in a while, right? Yeah, I think the first time in two years. I think 2019 was the last one. Right. They did the so digital one last year, year, but that doesn't count. Yeah, we're no not counting those. Come on. Tab tabled. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's all well and fun, but that we're not counting yeah. that. But this is the first time you're having an in-person event after two years of nothing. And you think that the best way to go about that is announcing an NFT artist, which, you know, as as anyone on Twitter knows, all comic creators, especially small press people, they fucking love NFTs. Yeah. They can't get enough we, of We them. love them, man. We're trying to mint them all the time. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, Gutter Boys NFTs are going to be dropping soon, so keep an eye out. But the, again, it's like the lack of awareness is just like, I don't understand how this could have happened. Yeah. I'd be very, very curious to like listen in on what the fucking thought process was to come to this decision. Well, let's go ahead and outline exactly what happened for the listeners. We've got some shit on the timeline, some deleted tweets and so forth. Pretty much this artist, I guess they make quote unquote comics, their images with sentences on the bottom, more like a New Yorker, I guess, style in the sense of like how they're actually quote unquote comics. But they also are a complete NFT shill. Their Instagram is actually at Pink Cat NFT. TCAF, uh, when they announced the guest, they posted the NFT, which is just like this crudely drawn pink cat with face tattoos and shit, you know, whatever. Um, but they strategically tagged an alt account 
called Pink Cat Daily where only the comics are posted. But like you said, I, I have trouble believing that they thought, oh, this is only a person that posts comics because that account only has like less than 500 followers where the NFT account has like way more. So if you're going to, you know, try to be like, oh, we're only in it for the comics. Get the fuck. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. You're fucking lying. <laughs> But um, yeah, so this ends up coming out <laughs> and Twitter's going fucking, you know, ape shit, of course. TCAF is, I mean, would you say it's the biggest show in North America? It is, right? Like It's up there. Yeah, I would say TCAF is up there with Cake and SPX yeah. in terms of like size and scale and, you know, notoriety. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess in the past, having talked to people about it, TCAF was considered the biggest show just in terms of like it, it is a huge, huge yeah, show like three floors because, uh, you know, creators. Exactly. Yeah. It's like multiple floors, tons of creators from all over the world, not just in Canada, not just in North America. And uh, it's one of those shows that everyone talks positively about because people go out to explicitly buy and support comics and small press. Yep. So that being said, I don't know if that feeling (laughs) is going to be the case anymore. Uh, I know like this would have been like two or three years ago. They were catching some heat uh, with the I want to say was the um, the venue itself that they were using because they were welcoming some like guest readers that were not during TCAF, but just like in general, you know, like if, if you are an author, you know, and you do book tours and whatever, you'd stop at that library and do a speaking thing, an engagement, whatever. And one of the people that they had one year was like this, like uh, anti-trans activist writer, yeah, of course, who's like fucking unhinged. And uh, of course, yeah, people online were were very very mad about this, and we're trying to convince TCAF to you know change uh, the venue because of that. Um, I don't really know how that played out. Uh, you know, it's, it's whatever. Like, you know, it's public library is not making any money. Period. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you have to invite a bunch of like fucking weird transphobic people to keep the lights on i don't know maybe it's canadian niceties that allowed that to happen (laughs) i don't know i I fucking don't know but anyway but this this is a whole other because this is directly relating to tcaf this is not the venue this is not some other third party this is the this is the decision made by the organizers of the show itself and i i don't see how this is going to do them any good in the long term uh in terms of like people wanting to table there let alone go there yeah, I feel really bad for everyone that's like tabling at this show now who are actively like not a fan of NFTs to begin with. Yeah. And, yeah. Like and a past guest, Jen Woodall, was announced right before, well, maybe one or two tweets before this uh, Pink Cat Clown was announced. And I can't think they are very happy about this. <laughs> it's just, it's very, it's very sad. It's like kind of, yeah, I, I'd be upset. Basically. Yeah. And I mean, you know, TCAF is just like melting down right now. It's like DEFCON 6 over there or whatever the fuck the highest one is. And I do just want to talk about how this pink cat person is handling all this because, of course, you know, as you know, previously stated, Twitter's just going nuts. And uh, this pink cat person is actually incredibly online enough to the point where they are responding to each tweet, you know, criticizing them. And they're being very passive aggressive. But uh, well, they were initially aggressive aggressive. And then I think they pedaled back. And now they're trying to play Ramon mind games, but they're like not smart enough to do Ramon mind games. Yes. <laughs> so it's just coming off as like genuinely insincere and mad. It's very funny. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, um, 
they're just not good at posting at all. So uh, yeah, just yeah, to no. just to double down on that. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew a dummy? On May the 20th, <laughs> uh, they posted a video of them driving on the streets of Miami. And I say they, I'm talking about Pink Cat here. And they drove by some graffiti and it looks like it's just six of the bored apes. Like uh, plastered up on the wall or painted, I don't know. And then they followed up this tweet with, Wynwood in Miami is dope. Lots of very pro-looking murals, and then in parentheses, not community murals, LMAO. I don't enjoy amateur artists being given grand platforms. (laughs) All over the buildings, the sidewalks, huge scale, breathing life into my eyes and brain. So most of the time, community murals are done by uh, members of that community. Generally, they are also not white people. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to just ignore the racist implications here, but what a fucking dumbass tweet, right? Like, <laughs> But it gets better. It, it gets better because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people online who are digging through this person's uh, Twitter account, looking at their past tweets and what they plug and whatnot. And uh, one of the things that somebody brought up was uh, <laughs> the uh, this person is trying to sell what looks like a hardcover book that's like i don't know 40 pages it looks like yeah right maybe, maybe 60 maybe maybe 60, maybe 60. And that's we're gonna be generous and say 60 mm-hmm. right right that's what the copyright page a page just with your instagram right. only handle printed on it right 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 and uh it doesn't look nice like it's it doesn't look good at all but they're trying to sell it for 70 dollars <laughs> It literally looks print on demand. Like the actual right. mock-up has that like cheap line that's in the cover to yeah. where the cover like bends. <laughs> yeah, this is uh you know it might not even be a hard cover. It looks like I it might a be soft a cover. soft cover. Yeah. Yeah, it's a soft cover. So they're trying to sell a soft cover book for $70. Some shit that looks like they got printed from Redbubble or Amazon. Literally, yeah. And it I cannot imagine the brain you need to have to think that that's a good idea. Yeah. So shout out Squirt Cobain on Twitter for the scoop. Uh, they tweeted, LMAO, this is her comic that she sells for $70, 150 with the signature, which apparently is worth more than the book. Get the fuck out of the public library, meaning the uh, <laughs> library that TCAP is in. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Pink Cat being online tried to defend themselves here. And they're like, oh, that's the price point because we printed locally in Berkeley at our friend's shop and we marked up the standard 50%. People who print overseas can offer you a cheaper price i'm sure stay positive your till will come okay so many issues with this (laughs) yeah so many issues one we both know that there is a printing company based out of canada that would undercut a 35 dollars price point yes there's fucking book printers in america that will print that book for ten dollars a copy if not cheaper than that yeah no no it's fucking wild yes. to think that not only was it smart to spend $35 which is really a generous Dude, retail imagine price the if we're for 100 copies of a book and it's $3,500 hilarious <laughs> hilarious I bet I bet that there's a there's a sharp relation between that number and how much money they lost to NFTs yes. in the well, last it, two months that's what I was gonna say like this is just a grifter getting grifted so it kind of rocks <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 this rocks watching them take an L is amazing yes and the, the funny but, thing is they said it's at our friend's shop they're not your friends yeah no <laughs> You, they charged you $35 for a soft cover shitty looking book. They are not your friends. No, not at all. You got worked. Hosed. So um, <laughs> even if you did get a free table at TCAF, like you got to sell a lot of them motherfuckers to break even, oh. I'm assuming. 
And I don't think anybody's buying <laughs> buying this book for seventy dollars. How does tabling work if you're an NFT artist? You walk up and uh, you have nothing on the table, and you're like, "Hey, I will email you a JPEG for five hundred dollars." <laughs> I, I guess. Would you just have your iPad at the desk yeah. and be like, "All right, here's your here's your uh, ID for your crypto wallet or something"? I don't know. If you know. zoom in on the lines, you'll see they're pixelated. If you pay for it, they won't be. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, insane. But yeah, it, uh, uh, so yeah, they you know this pink cat person. Again, going back to the fact that they were very online and but but in like the bad way, like when an idiot is very online as opposed to us when two and uh, young gentlemen are online. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. I mean, in comparison, we look like fucking geniuses (laughs) to be fair. Okay, Uh, no, but Pink Hat, when people were initially, you know, firing back about how absurd and upsetting this was that they were announced to be a guest at this, you know, pretty big small press comic show, uh, they fired back. They wrote, you guys should read the quoted tweets and see my DMs. Rejected artists are some sick dogs. This is why we need NFTs. So artists don't have to struggle for their mental health. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So they deleted this tweet pretty quickly. I wonder why. I wonder why he would delete that. That seems fine to me. I don't see what's wrong with that. That seems like a perfectly acceptable response to criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they deleted that. And now all of their responses are just like hyper passive aggressive, like haters going to hate. Yeah. Like they've, they've <laughs> actually first off, they're in ratio hell right now. As of live, uh, a live update as of 504 on Sunday, May 29th. The TCAF post has 17 likes, three retweets, and 260 quote tweets shitting on this person. So, um, uh, Pink Cat, uh, for a while was responding to everybody that quote tweeted it, uh, and shitting on them and was just like, don't worry, keep trying. One day you'll make it. One day you'll make it. <laughs> it's like, uh, make damn. fucking what, dude? Like, it, it. Yeah, nobody's heard of you. That's another thing. Like, who the where fuck, the fuck are did you? you come from? <laughs> yeah. Like, Maybe you're, like, on some Webtoon shit that I don't know about. I mean, you obviously have a following, but this shit is so fucking ugly. This feels like they have some kind of dirt on someone, like some organizer at TCAF that's high up. Because this, that's the only way this makes sense. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play conspiracy theory here. This feels like they are holding something ransom against uh, an organizer. Yeah, this is... <laughs> because why else would you do extortion. this? Yeah, it, there's something going on. Like, they, maybe they got, like, you know, some, like, uh, photos of them cheating on their partner or something. I don't know. Something like that. That's the only way this makes sense to me. Yeah, I it doesn't make sense. And, like, it, like it, you know, it's an obvious, you know, sentiment. But, you know, Annie Koyama tweeted out, read the room. And Annie Koyama is, like, one of TCAF's biggest champions. Like, has been such a vital, critical part of that uh, festival for, you know, a decade that Koyama was around. It's just insane. It truly is insane that this even happened. Like, how? I, I don't get it. I truly don't. I'm telling you. They, they got something. Yeah. They, got some, they got some dirty, dirty stuff on someone. Yeah, or maybe someone's father or mother is, like, an organizer of the festival. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Listeners, if you have any scoops as to how this happened or why... Uh, let us know because we are genuinely just like baffled by this decision. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, that said, you know, I always wanted to do TCAF. I never made it up there despite having opportunities. Yeah. I Well, we were going to go. Remember, yeah. I had an invitation for 2020, 2020 and yeah. we were going to go table there. And then the fucking lockdown happened. 
Yeah. So, yeah, it, it sucks. It sucks that we were that close to tabling at an event that we really, really wanted to go to, a place that we had heard nothing but positive things for the most part. And for this to happen, it's just like, it's it's very demoralizing. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's Which is funny because and... there's also another show here in the States where it's like another show that I, I, I really loved and people loved and was like one of those shows that I had to do every year. And now I'm never tabling there ever again. So I, I don't know, maybe this is just, this is where it's all leading. It's like, you know, more and more of these shows are just going to become shittier and shittier post quote unquote post pandemic. And we're just going to be left with, uh, I don't know, maybe smaller shows picking up the slack. I know, uh, talking to a friend of the show, Aubrey Sitterson, past guest, you know, he recently tabled here in Des Moines at a, uh, comic-con it was their first year and uh you know turnout was really great awesome guests did you go or did you just meet up with them after i just met up with them i I didn't really know about it until it was too late and i didn't really feel like buying a ticket if i'm gonna be honest like what what the fuck am i gonna do like you know i i don't need to look at aisles and aisles of of fucking prints and fan art right right but that being said this organizer he's one of those guys that is actively doing a lot of research and seeing where there's like a demand or a need for shows where either bigger shows like for example uh, for example wizard may have had a presence but then you know eventually dropped the ball because wizard is wizard now and uh he's being very smart about it and having these like you know very hugely successful shows just out of nowhere in like small cities and towns and i think that's that's where stuff needs to go to begin with. Like, I think that's the only way people are going to attend and table more because pre pandemic, such a glut of these shows and so many of them were so fucking bad. And the ones that were good are now showing their true colors. <laughs> so I'm hoping, I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic here. I'm, I'm hoping that all these other shows will kind of fill in that void uh, that I think is going to be, you know, very much a thing you know, moving forward. If you don't go to TCAF, you, you at least still have Cake, VanCaf, SPX, Short Run, you know, all those bigger small press shows. They're still there. Uh, all those organizers are, you know, mostly not scumbags. So I don't know. I mean, it, it is what it is, as they say, right? Like, right. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. If this means TCAF is no longer the premier small press show, then, hey, that's that's just how it plays out. And yeah, congratulations. Sure, you played yourself. <laughs> I'm sure there will be another small press show to, you know, rightfully kind of take its place as the premier small press show. And I think that also gives incentive for those organizers to really up their game, too. Well, I saw an interesting tweet earlier that was pretty much just like the sentiment was with the situation happening with TCAF, more artists need to be running these shows. And less, you know, companies and sponsors. And I think, you know, not to say, you know, that there wouldn't be like an NFT show, but I think that if you had an artist, you know, I feel like the artist curated shows are always just better. You know, like somebody that's yeah. involved with comics, you know, their voice. I don't know. There's just more heart to them. So I think there's something yeah, I agree. to that. I, I agree. It doesn't make sense to have a board of people making these decisions and not have at least one person that's plugged into the scene as a creator. You know, like, yeah, I, I feel like you need brainwashed by money at that point. You know? Right, like, right. Yeah. You need someone with informed eyes to kind of, you know, make better choices in the long run for your shows. Yep. Agreed. Whether that's like a board member or consultant, you know, whatever something, that is. Something, something. I don't fucking know. Just not this. Whatever whatever led to this, don't do that. 
Right. You know, or same with like Heroes Con, whatever fucking brain rot that's going on over there where they announce Jason Latour as a guest for the show (laughs) and is and is also the last like group of guests that they announce, which means now if you have a ticket for Heroes, you can't request a refund. You're you're out of that money. So you're going to have to either go to that show or give away the tickets or just eat that loss, basically. Yep. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, that doesn't seem that shady. Well, uh, they also made uh, an internal memo stating that no organizers can talk about Jason Latour being a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. That nice doesn't seem order. shady I would never at all. want to do a show that why? put me under a fucking gag order. Are you kidding me? That, I mean, like, if you need to put in a gag order about a person, maybe it's the fact that you fucking welcome this person that everybody's talking about that right. they don't want at the show for legitimate reasons. Like, yeah. that. It, again, like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, to me, it's not that surprising because I feel like those organizers, or at least some of them, were very much protecting Jason Latour for years before it was just too much and they could no longer deny stuff. Because I don't know if, it, I mean, if you've tabled at Heroes for an extended amount of time, you at one point at least have heard one or two stories about Jason Latour being a fucking weirdo, like a real fucking sex pest. Allegedly. Every one of those people, allegedly. they allegedly wave it away and say, oh, you know, that's just, that's just Jason, if, you know, wink, nod, ha ha ha. It's, it's like, it's. It'd be one thing if he was just like, oh, he he just he just keeps eye contact for too long. Or, you know, when he shakes your hand, he does this weird thing with his thumb. You know, like that's one thing. <laughs> but when you're like actively being a sexual predator and assaulting women, allegedly he is a sex pest. And allegedly Heroes Khan doesn't give a shit that he's a sex pest. And in fact, are okay with it. So right. yeah. I don't, it's just it's really again, same with decaf, but this is this hits me personally a bit closer because this is a show that I held dear. It is a show I tabled at routinely every year. Mm-hmm. And so for this to happen, it's just, I can never ever be involved in that show ever again. Like it's just, I, yeah, I don't know. And I feel bad for, you know, everyone else that were, you know, were invited to the show or tabling at the show and didn't know that Jason Latour was planned to have been a guest because there was no announcement. They kept him off all their promotional material and they slid him in at the last minute. So you know, they knew what they were doing is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they knew yeah, what they, they were doing. They got everything, you know, in motion. And they were like, oh, yeah, here. Yeah. Real no, quick, here yeah. Go. Not shady at all. No. Yeah. That seems. Like the the that Emerald seems Lagasse hit him with the bam. Yeah. yeah bam. Sex pest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's enough for uh, this new segment, I guess. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace to uh, a legend. Uh, he a will legend. be forever missed. Um, if you haven't seen uh, a B movie, go check it out. One of his best performances. Uh, but yeah, when we return, we will be joined with uh, Josh Pettinger uh, to shoot the shit. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Rust Belt Review is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized and short form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 1 features work from Gutter alums M.S. Harkness, Audra Stang, and Caleb Arecchio, along with work by Andrew Greenstone, Sean Knickerbocker, and Juan Jose Fernandez. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org. Promo code GUTTER. Morning, Gary. Morning, Marianne. Need a menu? Nah, I'll just have the usual. You sure do love your eggs and coffee, Gary. 
Best way to start your morning, Marianne. Well, that and an issue of Town and County. What's that? Town and County is a new comic series written and drawn by cartoonist Alex Nall. He's that guy that wrote them books about teaching and that Mr. Rogers feller. Oh, he was such a nice man. The first issue is 36 pages of black and white comic stories with beautiful color covers and features six stories about folks in our little township here in Illinois. Like Susie Barber, the house cleaner that uncovers her client's dirty laundry, if you know what I mean. And Stanley Pepper, that big feller that just lost his job and took to drinking every night at Bugs's Tavern. Well, ain't that something. Town & County is published by Ivy Terrace Press, headquartered in Chicago. Chicago? Who would want to live there? So dirty. Each issue comes with a copy of The Hometown Hero, our little town's newsletter, and it's only $8. $8? Where can I get it, Gary? You can order a copy of Town & County on the internet at storeenvy slash Comics. Oh, there's your breakfast, Gary. Thanks, Mary Ann. <sniffs> ah, nothing like a cup of coffee and a good comic book. The Last Aviatrix is a post-nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29, as she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the eminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky. Her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste Land? Every issue can be read for free on BusterKegel.com slash comics. Paper copies can be ordered as well, but, you know, you can still read it for free. If you like Wizards or Warplanes, go check it out. Now, back to our program. Welcome back from the break. Uh, today we are joined for the second time uh, with, uh, you know who it is, Josh Pettinger, LA-based cartoonist now behind Goiter Comics, just recently put out the uh, split with Simon Hanselman, the Werewolf Jones annual. Uh, what's up, man? Welcome back. How's it going? Thanks for having me again. Of course, of course. Yeah, thanks for coming back. It's summer crazy. fun on you. It's a summer fun on you. Oh, okay. Summer fun annual. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, I, uh, was like thinking about it. It's kind of crazy. Like, uh, the last time we had you on, it was probably two years ago, if not a little more, how crazy it's like, it is that your career is just like from where you were then to now, it's pretty insane. The growth that you've experienced. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it. It just feels like, you know, normal and I've just put on more stuff, but I guess, you know, things are on an upward trajectory, but yeah, it feels exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we talk pretty often. Um, so I think, you know, it's been cool to see it happen, but it's interesting to hear you say, you know, that it feels the same. I mean, I guess you're just 
in the thick of it at all times, just working. Do you have you given yourself like time to kind of sit back and like appreciate it, or are you just keeping the you know nose to the grindstone and working? Yeah, just like well, trying not to like stop because you know like comics, it's all just momentum. Everything's momentum. Like if you stop, it just you know you'll you'll stop forever almost. It's just you know. So I'm just trying to constantly always have something to work on. Usually just like one comic at a time, but trying to uh, like have ideas while I'm drawing whatever I'm currently working on. And are you still trying to do the animation thing, or are you going to kind of let that take a back seat since, uh, you know, the comics are going pretty well right now? Yeah, the animation stuff's like kind of, it's not like not like on hold, but it's, uh, yeah, just like, I have like, three comics i'm like trying to get done by the end of the year so it's like i just don't have time it's like you know once you get like started on an animation project it becomes your life you know from eight to 16 hours a day seven days a week for three months however long the thing is so i just you know it's like you take a financial hit doing that but it's i just you know just don't have the time to take in a film right now it's pretty sick that you uh have uh, put a flag down for team comics yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, you know, the animation stuff's fun, but it's, uh, but that's a job. You know, comics is a job, but it, does, it doesn't feel like a job. It feels like you're like, I don't know, when you make money from comics, it feels like you're getting away with something. It's like, uh, like you cheated the system or something. So, yeah, just like, I don't know, trying everything I can to try and make the comics thing work and be able to just do that. That is like the best part or well, one of the best parts when you put out a book um, is just like once it finally goes on sale and your phone just keeps buzzing with all the uh, PayPal notifications. Oh, my God. Yeah, I get too wrapped up in that. I'm just like, I mean, like, there's the nice side of that, which is like you see all the names of people buying the stuff. You see like the like repeat customers. You see like sending it out to towns that you're never going to visit, you know, Maple Creek, Wisconsin or something like that. <laughs> But then, like, the horrible side of that is just, like, uh, yeah, you get, like, addicted to the, uh, like, the, uh, it's, like, praise almost of, like, seeing the, the, here's $12, here's $8, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, like, interesting because, like, uh, I mean, for me anyways, in my experience, it's always, like, pretty immediate and then it, like, tapers off, you know? Like, it's yeah. always, like... Well, that's why it's bad. It's, like, the tapering off, that part, like, when it, when it slows down to a trickle, it's, like, oh, they all hate me now. Everybody hates me. <laughs> <laughs> so um we'll talk about what you've been working on but are you able to talk about what you're working on right now some of it nah okay that's cool uh, that's cool no, some of it i can't the one the one thing i can talk about is uh actually two things i can which is the final chapter of victory squad which is uh so that you know that's like broken up into three chapters that'll be goiter eight which i'm hoping by the end of the year but i don't know that's like that's a third priority right now another thing is a tedward zine which is this character from goiter seven like this old-fashioned guy this look is kind of based on uh jasper juvenville a bit <laughs> people seem to like like that character and i like I, I like drawing it and it's like something I can just add. I can like put him in any scenario. So I'm doing a, uh, so I've written and penciled 10 pages of that comic. So yeah, I think probably a month and a half and that'll be out. And then other thing I'm not, I don't, you know, shouldn't talk yeah. about. And then is that when I like, I don't know. Curse no, I got it, you. Curse it. But, uh, yeah. And then go to seven. Hopefully do some, uh, shorter stuff in between. Just trying to constantly be doing stuff. So when you finish Victory Squad, because I know you're finishing that issue up, are you going back to like the 
I don't want to, I guess, suburban setting of the previous goiter issues, or what do you plan on doing past Victory Squad? I just like, kind of just want to work on this Tedwood character that I've been doing. Um, yeah. Which is kind of like, I think, like, like, the story is set in LA. I have, like, you know, like, there's like a big set piece that is, you know, it's LA. But I'm drawing LA that, like, that looks like Chicago. So it's all like old Chicago houses in LA. Okay. I was going to ask about that because, you know, all of your work before, you could tell that it's like, you know, influenced by like Chicago, like the layout and the buildings and stuff that you draw. I didn't know yeah. if you were changing it up because you were out in LA. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah. Like, so Alex Knoll said this, like, he said that, like, I draw, um, I draw America as like, as it would, uh, be imagined by someone who's never been. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, um, obviously grew up in England so I just like that's you know those kind of houses and that environment's imprinted on me but I'm drawing America all my stories are American so I kind of cut you off but are you purposefully drawing like you said the stories are set in LA are you purposefully drawing it to look like Chicago or are you just kind of going with what you know no it's just you know it's like you know I don't really use references a lot so it's all muscle memory so it's just because I was drawing Chicago for so long I lived there for eight years seven or eight years so yeah it's just like I don't know how to draw a house other than, you know, like a Chicago house or a Chicago building or like the street signs there or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Now, are you uh, are you officially an L.A. guy? Do you think you're going to stay there? Oh, 100 percent. I'm about as Hollywood as you can get now. Yeah. Hollywood Pettinger. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I just think it's uh, I just think it's nice. All the hills, all the as you know, trees, nature. It's just nice. Yeah, for sure. I want to finish talk. I had one question I wanted to ask um, that I actually haven't asked you, you know, even talking to you. Are you still like redrawing and tossing out a lot of shit? Because the last time we talked to you, that's something that like yeah, gets yeah. brought up about your last interview is how you would often, you know, start over and redraw a comic. And have you completely broken that habit or have you kind of fallen back into that in some no, aspects? It's like, that's completely gone. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, I don't like, I've like tried to think about what that was, why I was like redrawing everything like five times. Because you hate your stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, I think that's it. And it's also just like uh, way too high expectations of myself. You know, I just like, if it doesn't look like a page from Black Hole or, you know, like Ice Haven or something, it's shit. So like, I think just uh, like I've lowered my, like, like well, my expectations <laughs> and my ability level are like way more match now. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, that does. Yeah, you kind of just like you're efficiently working for yourself now. You yeah, know what your work yeah. looks like. You know what your strengths yeah. are. Yeah, I know. I know like the ceiling of my ability. So I'm just like, you know, not happy with what I'm drawing, but it's uh, <laughs> right. but it's like serviceable art, you know. Mm-hmm. I think you look a lot better. I mean, the leaps and bounds between five, even to Victory Squad, and then the uh, you know other stuff you've been putting out. Even the, the I haven't seen the Simon stuff outside of like what you've sent me, but I mean, for you to say that you don't like what you're doing, I feel like you've completely leveled up in the past couple of years, and I think that's just you finally committing to just doing it. Because you know you were talking about how before there was a lot of time between each each issue of Goiter, and you're completely yeah. past that. Like you're just a machine now. Yeah, people say that. I still feel like I'm the slowest cartoonist in America, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I just like, uh, I think losing that thing of like constantly redrawing and like being a perfectionist has helped like that level up in drawing or whatever. It's just, uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't think I was getting better by doing that. I think I was like 
digging myself into this hole. So now, you know, it's just like every single, you know, I just, I, I draw something that's in the back mirror. I don't like think about it. You know, I don't go back and try and overdo stuff. So I'm just, you know, just like, uh, just like improving, I guess. Just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I actually want to ask both of you all this, JB and Josh, um, you know, because I'm just thinking about it now. Uh, you all both like moved. Do you feel like, you know, that changing environments affects your work as far like, you know, in a negative or a positive way? Like, do you feel like since you moved to L.A., you're able to work because you feel like you're in a better environment? And JB, do you, you know, moving to Iowa, do you feel like it's different, you know, trying to work there versus Chicago? Because I've always been in the same place, you know, so do you feel like there is like a vibe to your work area and where you're at? I'll let JB go first, unless you want me to. I mean, I'll say yes and no. Mm -hmm. Like in a lot of ways, my work hasn't changed, but, you know, I think your environment does impact your output quite a bit in terms of like momentum and and inspiration and also your motivation. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're in a bigger city with a lot of cartoonists and everyone's grinding, that usually means you're more inclined to, to follow suit. Yeah. I think for me, it's like mostly uh, like color. I don't know. There's something about LA. Obviously, like it's you know sunny all the time. Everything's like very colorful. So it's just like I know there's like way more emphasis on like color and like everything being bright and kind of uh, almost a little bit more cartoony than this kind of uh, stay indoors. Everything's grim. You know, like kind of vibe of Chicago. Yeah, you don't really get hit with that like uh, rough winter, which like you know I'm I have that seasonal depression shit. Like not too bad, but I definitely know I definitely have it. And I feel like if you did live somewhere you know beachy or something like that with more of a regulated climate, I do feel like that could affect me personally in a different way. But yeah, like I said, I've never really lived outside of the state for a long amount of time, so I've never really changed environments. Um, yeah, like I've heard a lot of people say like, and I think I've even said it like. Chicago makes good cartoonists because it's winter, because the winter's so long that, like, you just stay inside and draw. But I think you're right, like, that seasonal depression thing, like, will, you know, slow you down a bit. The fact that you get, like, a, like you know you're going to get a sunny week and you have to make the most of it, that slows you down a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. I think just, like, something about, like, L.A. just being, like, every single day is exactly the same, which is blue skies, sunny, nice weather. Like, I never feel like I have to make the most of it. And so I, I would basically almost never go out now. I just stay inside drawing because it's either too hot to go outside or, like, I don't need to make the most of this sunny day because, you know, it's going to be sunny tomorrow. So <laughs> right. I think that's actually made me more, like, productive a little bit for sure yeah hell yeah jb do you have anything before uh we get into uh where should we go from here uh do you have anything you want to bring up <laughs> just have a chat how have you guys been <laughs> i've been chilling man i've actually been working um i'll actually send you all some shit in the discord soon i'm about probably two weeks out from putting a, a zine out for real oh, oh nice. hell yeah yeah. What's that like? What's that gonna be like? Uh, uh it's just like a few little short stories. I'm aiming for 16 pages. Nice. I'll send you one. But uh, yeah, no, I just gotta have something out, and then uh, Jazz and I are supposed to put something out. But Jazz just uh, shout out Jazz, but Jazz will just disappear for like 10 days, and then <laughs> hit me with pictures of progress and be like, I'm working, and I'll be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but JB's yeah, no, a I mean, t-shirt millionaire. <laughs> yeah. That's what you got to do, man. The shirt game is awesome. You got to you got to do these. Uh, you got to make money off of the normies. Yeah, I mean that's the like you know 
you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, there's no money in comics, no money in comics or whatever. But like, even if your stuff's not like selling amazingly, there's there are other, you know, other things like t-shirts, one of them, prints, all this stuff. Like it's all, you know, I, I see it all as, it's all like part of comics or something. Cause you know, I'm making comic t-shirts, comic prints, whatever. It's just like having a bunch of income streams. Yeah. Cause right now, uh, this your full-time comics, right, Josh? Uh, yeah. I mean, like you'll do pickup work here and there, but I mean, like for yeah, the most yeah. part, you're not working a regular job, right? No, no, I haven't been for a bit. No. Are you still? Do you still get a lot of anxiety over that, or do you feel pretty comfortable in your skills and knowing that you know you've got a pretty dedicated fan base now? Oh, it's like I feel like you know, I feel like there's going to be like a my old boss is going to knock on my door tomorrow and be like, "I've been looking at your bank account. You are coming back to work." <laughs> tomorrow yeah I, I have, there's no security i'm just you know yeah I, 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 f- you know fear is driving me to like you know just constantly working on like different ways of making money from art yeah it's all fear-based that this is like the, the bubble is about to burst do you think that the bubble's gonna burst or are you just like is that part of your paranoia just like in general I think it's like that's hard for me to say um well, we talk about it, you know, privately. We talk about how, like, there was, like, a boom with the pandemics. And I guess we talk about it on the show, too. There was, like, a comics boom in the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, like, at the beginning, we, like, I remember, like, us talking, and I was, like, talking to other people, and I'd, like, people, you know, messaging me and stuff. It's, like, this whole thing's over, you know, the idea of, like, anyone having money to buy comics is, you know, that's done now, forever. And then they gave us 600 a week to buy comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, like, everybody was just, like, it was just, like, swapping money with each other. Like, everyone was, like, supporting each other in weird ways and, like, you know, buying each other's stuff to support. It was, like, yeah, we did go into, like, a little uh, indie comics boom at the, during the pandemic. It was, you know, it was good. It is kind of strange because, like, as, like, the world returns to quote-unquote normalcy, I don't think that comics has really taken a hit, but I just feel like I'm not talking to as many people about it because I guess we're all doing our own thing now. You know, like it was at a time like, you know, you just be getting DMs all day and, you know, you'd be yeah, in Discord yeah. and, um, you well, know, I was I talking mean, I was talking to a friend about this recently and it's like I was like not sure if it's just because everybody is just going back to their lives or just I suddenly have become insufferable online or something. Now everybody hates me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like because really I'm just change your presence outside of posting, and you're just posting know, content. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. It's just like uh, yeah, I'm just like talking to way less people, and uh, yeah, that little like communal aspect that was like maybe like it lasts like a year, right? Where everybody was just like best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody was, was like united. Um, yeah, yeah. Because we were all like, well, I guess the world's gonna end, so we might <laughs> as well be nice to each other. Yeah, slowed down. So uh, since you've moved there, what do you consider like a good time in LA? I know you don't really go out much. I know you don't want to hang out with people, but I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I really not like, uh, LA is, well, it's like everything's in you know, open now, or whatever. It's still masks and stuff, but I, 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 I still don't feel like I've experienced like what LA is. Yeah. But, like for well, me, it, you know, know, like, you know, the nightlife and all that stuff, that's, that's, uh, I'm 33. I'm too old for that anyway. So it's like, for me, good time not is just, LA. uh, you just got to get some of that, uh, spinal fluid from children. You'll yeah. Be good to go. yeah, some oh, mix yeah, it in yeah, with some yeah. yayo and you're good. <laughs> yeah, I'm going around Tom Hanks' house. Um, no, I just like I don't know hiking. Uh, it's like you know I'm like I'm in the city, but I'm a 15 minute walk from like being able to walk up a mountain. You know that's 
that's pretty nice. That's basically what I like doing. Yeah. Walking I mean, the nature dog. aspect is really nice out there. Yeah. You're always like uh, posting badass food. The food's got to be great, right? Oh, food in LA is amazing. Yeah, especially like um, it's like a much better place to be vegan than uh, <laughs> right. Like Chicago was, you know. Yeah. I think I, I upset one cartoonist once by saying that like uh, Chicago is the worst food city in the world. <laughs> Which is I don't it really? think is. I don't think. I don't it's think like, so. No. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I was gonna say because I thought it was like pretty renowned. There's like five Michelin star rated restaurants just well, in like is, yeah, one part of downtown. Like a, a two star Michelin fried pizza. That's good. You know, like you know. <laughs> Do you miss Chicago, Josh, or no? Like I miss my friends there. I kind of miss like um, I miss having something to blame my misery on. So like, <laughs> I could be like, this isn't my fault. This is the weather. Well, now you can just complain about taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's supposed to be pretty bad. Yeah, it's going to be really bad for I would say the three of us this year with everything getting reported. I mean, Josh and JB, you all have always been uh, very good, and me too. I've always paid my taxes, but um. You know, it's it's a little rough now that they're going to be auditing everybody's accounts if you make more than six hundred dollars. Yeah, that's um. I'm always like, I'm so nerd. Like, you know, if my uh, like my girlfriend will like send me her half of rent, I'm like, please make it as family and friends. I'm not paying taxes on your half of you know. It's like right. I'm really worried about how that's gonna you know. That's what I'm worried about, too, because, like, you know, same thing in my household. Like, we send groceries, bill money. It's, like, constantly Venmoed, you know, yeah, rent, yeah. everything. Um, I think we you'll do send be it fine. as family and friends, but I think it's getting reported still. No, no. The friends and family stuff, you'll be fine. Oh, okay, okay. Hell but, yeah. like, you have to tell them to, like, specifically do it as family and friends, right? It's, uh, yes. Yes. And I've heard that uh, have people... Like, so some people in comics, and I understand why, uh, I've seen them adapting like the DM model, and I think it's to avoid the uh, whole getting reported to the government. And they're saying uh, send as emojis. Don't say like for comic or, you know, for groceries or whatever. Just send emojis. So you can be like, I don't know. So apparently that's a thing if you buy stuff from people. Uh, as an immigrant, juice. even this conversation is filling me with anxiety. I'm just, <laughs> I, I like, I'll pay it. I'll pay all of it. I'm not, you know, I'll pay every, I'll even like, uh, I'll pay more than I need to. No, I it's just, fine. Please don't. Fine. <laughs> yeah, you have, an, no, no, you no, have no. an account out there, right? A what? An accountant? No. Someone what? that does your finances? No. I'm not there yet, dude. I'm uh, pretty far from that. No, you just pay like somebody at H and R Block like 200 bucks once a year to do it. No, no, I, I just use a, HR. I use no, TurboTax. No, 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 no. If oh, you're wait, listening you... to this and you're a freelance cartoonist or anything freelance, don't use H and R Block. Well, I just meant no. like you know, like a tax preparer. Um, yes, I usually but don't do it... go to don't go to those big box companies. It's a, okay. it's a waste, and they will. Well, screw I just you use TurboTax. Yeah, I was gonna say I usually do my own, but this year with me having to pay in more because this year is the first year that I haven't like had like a job really. I had a job for a couple months, but I don't plan on getting a job. Like, yeah, you know, you'll gonna, be fine. Um, but I didn't know. So how does that work, actually? You know, with the account, do you pay them monthly, like on a retainer? Or do you just go to them once a year and they just charge you? No, it's an annual thing. OK, so, yeah, it's just it's like going to H&R Block or whatever. Kind of. Just better. <laughs> just better. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I still go through TurboTax just because all my records are on there. OK, yeah. So it makes it easier. But uh, if if I wasn't using TurboTax, yeah, I would I would probably just find an accountant. Yeah. My, yeah. my cousin's in an account. I'm gonna be like, "Hey, cash me in on a favor." Yeah, yeah, or have them just give you like a you know a discount or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But it's it's all it's all pretty easy to do. I mean, even with TurboTax, you're not 
really getting the full refund that you could be getting if you were using right. an accountant. But uh, it also, you know, I guess depending on what your options are and what you pay into, um, it definitely lessens the chance of you getting audited. And if you do get audited, it, it, it you definitely don't have to worry about getting into legal trouble. It's all on TurboTax at that point. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. One thing that I do want to, you know, as far as like while we're taking care of this, do you all uh, set it up just because there's other people that listen to the show and they're always like, hey, talk about the business side of things. Do you all set it up as like, do you set yourself up as an LLC, a private contractor? And do you do the quarterly thing or do you pay in yearly? I I do it like because I, you know, it's like this is my second year full time. So like uh, I'm still I'm still like trying to figure everything out, like how to like do all that properly. I basically I've I've been doing it yearly, which, you know, I I hear is not the best way to do it. But yeah. Yeah, same. Like I uh, I would plan on doing it yearly, but everybody's like, oh, you should do it quarterly. So I'm probably about to start looking into that. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I think uh, the next quarter I'm going to I don't know if you're allowed to do it from like at any point in the year. I think from the next uh, quarter I'm about to, but I just like try and just put like 25% of everything I make aside. And Hell yeah. Yeah. That's what I heard. I heard put 25 to 30% aside and you usually are pretty good. Might even get some back. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting because this is going to be the first year where like the majority of my income doesn't come from a, uh, like I'm going to be more freelance than uh, not this year. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Come tax season. But I'm not I guess like that's a lucky up, position to be in. Um, but I'm not but, like set up as an LLC or anything. I, I need to look into that. I'm just like, a, is it sole proprietor or something like that? It's like yeah. a, just an individual. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which I think like I heard like, I may have heard it completely wrong. I heard like once you like making a certain amount, it makes sense to be an LLC. Yeah. Cause I think you start getting certain breaks and cuts at that yeah. point. But yeah, I don't think it's worth it um, because I think you have to pay certain fees to be an LLC. So I don't know if it's worth it until you hit like X amount of revenue, probably. Yeah. I don't know. This is all like way beyond me. I just. Yeah, yeah, same. I just pay I just at the end of the year and hope that everything turns out all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, I always get asked if it's better to set up an S Corp versus setting up an LLC. Okay. And I think it all depends on how much revenue you're talking about. And if you have an accountant and, you know, all these other variables, I think if we really wanted to deep dive into that stuff, it would be cool to have on maybe, um, you know, uh, somebody that actually does that for a living (laughs) uh, to talk about it and actually give some advice about, you know, what to do and not do and who to talk to and whatever. We should do that for an episode, maybe on Patreon or something. Yeah, yeah, so we'll 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 look into that because you know any advice we give on here is just going to be just mostly educated guesses at best. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're taking real world advice from the gutter boys, <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into some questions because we do have a lot. Yeah, Josh, you're you're very popular, man. No, uh, but um, as always, if you want to participate in the show, follow us online on Instagram at Gutter Boys Pod. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, we put up questionnaires on our personal accounts as well, and you can always ask questions for our guests or us here. But we do have quite a bit for you, so we're just gonna round out the show with those. Uh, let's see. All right, first question is from xoxo underscore Greece on Instagram. They said Pettinger. I barely know her ask in question form so actually that's pettinger i barely know her yeah that's a good one yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh instagram user reader i'm just thinking about like you know when uh like um david letterman like if he was sick or something they would have a best of episode that would definitely go in the best of Mm. like a clip show yes 
uh, Instagram user reader JNTJR. Uh, they write, what's the toughest challenge for you in the creative process? What do you do to overcome it? It's like when you finish something and you're like, you have to do it. I'm done now. I have to do another thing. Yeah, just like that blank, that first, like, when you finish with something, so you have, like, you have, you have nothing. Yeah, that sucks. But I just, uh, I try and have something, like, like an idea of what the next thing is. Like, maybe as I'm, like, uh inking the last quarter of a page or, so, or of a comic or something. So I just, uh, yeah, there's not really like that many, uh, like problems like that. I just, um, yeah, just like, there's like, uh, I don't know. I think there's like, there's not really any bad ideas. You can like execute something badly. So just, uh, I don't know, even if you have the shittiest idea ever, just like, just do it. Yeah. And I, there is something you mentioned there, like that post-project depression. You're like, okay, well, what do I do now? That's a very yeah, real yeah. thing. Like when the thing's done, it's very real. Like with me anyways, I don't like, so it's interesting. You feel that way too. Do you ever get that way, JB? Or are you just like, fuck it. I'm done finally. Uh, well that I definitely have relief more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also I usually have like five other things pending while finishing that thing up. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have that problem. Yeah, I always envy that as like people who can like juggle multiple stuff. Like I, I have to do everything one at a time, which is, you know, like I said before, I have like three comics I'm working on now. So that's, you know, probably I'm fine to the end of the year in that regard. But this is like the first time I've had that before. It's just, you know, one issue, it's done. I have to think of a whole nother story, all that, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, the projects that I juggle aren't always comics. If anything, it's like one comic project and then like three design projects and then like two illustration projects. You know what I mean? So it's not, there's more variety there. Yeah. And it keeps me a little more engaged. Yeah. I think there's something to that, like just um, doing different things, not just like, not just doing comics, which is basically all I do. But yeah, there's, there's definitely something to that. Yeah, but I, I will say uh, it is nice to have, uh, you know, multiple comic projects running at the same time because I feel like you get to see each project with new eyes every time you move on to the next one. So yeah. things don't get stale if you ever get like frozen up on a certain part or things are stagnating and you don't know what to do. You just move on to the next one and then work on that and then go back to it later. Yeah, that... Uh I've like never been able to do that. I, I feel like I'm like when I'm writing a comic, I'm just like in that character's like head, mm. and it's like uh, I'm just like I just kind of it's gonna sound like uh, a little bit highfalutin, but I just uh, like that, that that story becomes like everything. Like it's all I think about when I'm like laying down in bed. It's like the only thing I think about when I'm not drawing it or doing it. You know, so it's uh, I would um, so yeah. I don't think I don't think I could like just jump between like comics like that. Alrighty. Next question came from Instagram user K Neil celibate. <laughs> if, <laughs> if victory squad was adapted into a movie, how would you want the soundtrack to sound? Basically, uh, the, you know, the Terminator two music. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like banging your vape. Do, 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 <laughs> Just do use soundtracks from yeah. like <laughs> more popular movies. <laughs> Chariots <Yeah>. of Fire. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would be the Terminator 2 soundtrack would be the soundtrack to Victory Squad. Instagram user Pilko Art writes, what are your artistic goals for the rest of the year? 
That's Andrew Pilkington, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Nice guy. Um, artistic goals for the rest of the year. Make a lot of money. Oh, I don't just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And scrape by. I don't know. Just like finish the stuff. It's just like finish stuff. Just have a lot of stuff out. It'd be nice to have like a fat book. That's not going to happen by the end of the year, but be working towards like a fat book, have a spine on something. Um, yeah, just uh, just finishing stuff and just like forward momentum. I don't know how that's like a uh, creative goal. I don't know, express how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's All a right. difficult task for an Englander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew the anglophobia was going to come up at some point. That's not anglophobic. How is that anglophobic? (laughs) I don't know. I just like, you know, I listen to this. world renowned for repressing their feelings. Are you kidding me? I always like, you know, I try and listen to this show. Oh my God. All right. Move on to the next question. (laughs) America has like really just worn you down to a nub now. JB defending his racism on the show. Four minutes in. Yeah, probably. All right, Instagram user Zalord Beans. Ask him how it was being a co-father to Nate and Jasper. I'm assuming they're talking about co-father with Simon because you all went to Magic Mountain and stuff at uh, Permanent Damage, which uh, by the time this airs, the Patreon episode of that will be up that we did with Nate and Jasper. Yeah. And uh, they give their side oh, yeah. of the trip. I just heard it. It's like it gets... Uh... I don't know. It gets weird. They, uh, they oh, messaged listen me to it and yet? said... Yeah, I listened to like... I listened to about 45 minutes I sent it to, of it. They wanted final cut uh, on the episode. The kids did because they wanted to make sure they didn't say anything too stupid. And mm-hmm. uh, Jasper's been freaking out about it for like the past like three days. Yeah, they, they both said that it's okay to upload in its current form. So it should okay. be up by the time they hear this. It's not bad. Nate just goes yeah. a bit hard. Nate is just unapologetically himself. I was going to say, that's just yeah, Nate. Yeah. There's nothing different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, co-fathering Nate. I think it's been the most rewarding job of my life. I love it. It's, uh, <laughs> Grooming Nate. It's my reason to get up in the morning. Do you all have a Facebook group? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I don't know. He's great. Yeah. You know, everyone yeah. knows it. It's like uh, both him and Jasper. It's, um, I don't know. Like, I sometimes think of like, wonder if it's like a generational thing or something. They, but they just, I don't know. They're just like, go 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 you know they're just like constantly making good stuff it's like impressive yeah i, think yeah, and both I do want to say maybe this will be edited out but I, I see chatter around the boys and um you know they're like oh they're they're getting a lot too quick and you know they're yada yada like how come they're getting so much attention? there's a lot of jealous motherfuckers of the kids and like they're trying to replicate that success but to be yeah. honest the reason why they're on top and doing so well is because they're doing the work. I mean, they post right. every fucking day. They've got a comic yeah. out every two months. Like, if you want to get, like, Nate and Jasper, do the work. <laughs> like, you know, so if you're listening to this show and you're like, you know, you have any kind of like, oh, don't be bitter. Not towards, like, them, towards anybody. Just work. If you want to make it in comics, just work. Eventually, somebody will find your shit. If you but, keep you know, doing also, it. wait, I mean, to, yeah, the, I mean, to the, the haters' credit, right? <laughs> like, let me, let me just play devil's yeah, advocate right. here. To the haters' credit. <laughs> If, I, I do see a lot of people online, uh, cartoonists who do post every day and have a fraction of the traction that that's true. You know, Nate or Jasper have, and that I think is because we're we're not addressing the real issue. It's not about it's not all about the grind. It's all about whether or not anybody cares about your work. Yeah, is, is it good? Yeah, but I'll say this about like, and this is like specific to Nate and Jasper. Like you know, 
literally like i think their number one goal is for their comics to be fun yeah i think that's like 99 percent of what both of those like what both of them care about and that's like i don't think a lot of like cartoonists think that way and it's like you know we're under capitalism all that stuff so it's like it's a market or whatever and it's like they're not getting i don't think they're getting traction for any other reason than it's like they're making stuff that's purely enjoyable to look at read if they're posting every single day and they're doing everything that Nate and Jess were doing and they're not getting traction. It might just, I don't know, might have to cut this. It might just be that there's, it's a different audience that's on like than the people who are on Instagram or it might just be the, the stuff isn't as fun. Well, I think a lot of people don't have their own voice yet either, which is, yeah. I, I think a yeah, lot of yeah. hate on Jasper and Nate is because like they did it, they figured it out. And I feel like that's yeah, the biggest yeah. hurdle too. Like anybody can train themselves to do repetitious things, but it's uh, another thing entirely to know how to cultivate like your own identity and your own voice through your work. And that's, that's the biggest yeah. challenge that most creators and cartoonists just can't get past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess when I said like, do the work. I guess what I really meant was shut the fuck up and just draw and get your stuff out. Like, yeah, that too. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I've never been one to like get competitively jealous of like my peers or anything like that. Like I've honestly like I think it's great. Like anytime like, you know, somebody I know like, you know, I'm a quote unquote bad boy on Twitter and I talk a lot of shit. But if if you get a good opportunity in comics, I'm proud of you. I, I root for you if you're a friend of mine. And I think that, you know, eventually, you know, I think that if if you have the passion to do it, I mean, I think there is something to that whole like really cliche saying, like, don't give up on your dreams, because eventually if you do something long enough and you're doing it the right way and the right way is, you know, debatable, but you're doing everything you're supposed to do. Eventually, someone's going to give you an opportunity, whether that's an illustration gig and nothing to do with comics. I'm just looking at like art as the broad picture, because even if you make comics, you're still sharpening up your drawing skills to go into illustration if you need to. You know, there's there's always going to be a path, I think, if you're willing to commit to it. Yeah, Definitely. I like how, like, the question was, like, how do you feel as a co-father? And we're just like, oh, about those kids? And we just, like, immediately are just like, fuck all you guys. They're hating. Like, <laughs> protective, protective. Very protective them. parents, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the answer is I love it. I love co-parenting, yeah. mate. <laughs> Uh, the next question is from Cluster Fox Comics. Uh, he asks, when are we getting a collected goiter omnibus? Don't pull a Rich Tommaso and make us wait forever. That is not up to me. That's up to publishers. Yes. And I want to say something. Uh, Cluster Fox, Cam, uh, that's another Cam. You know, peace and love, respect. But Rich isn't really making anybody wait forever. He puts out like three to four issues a year. It's just they're behind the Patreon paywall. So I feel like he has been working. You just kind of got to let that shit stack up before you put the book out. But um, yeah, so you don't have any plans right now to collect it, Josh. You're going to just kind of pitch it out to publishers and kind of see where it lands. Yeah, I mean, I have like, uh, I actually like uh, stuff with like possibly a French thing happening. Um, possibly. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I would love, but, but again, it's like, you know, I don't expect it. I mean, like, you know, my back catalog or whatever it's like i don't know if it's like uh i don't know if issue two is the best thing that if it deserves to be in a book but if i was gonna put out a book right now it would have to be to like fill it up so i don't know yeah i don't know but it that's up to like you know publishers like any like if somebody has to want to put that out 
this is just like a this is a question and also like a suggestion. Would you just put like goiter, you know, two through eight in a book or would you almost take like the Klaus route and be like, OK, well, here's Victory Squad. Here's goiter two through five, because, you know, Victory Squad's so different from those other goiter issues. I feel like putting them all in the same book yeah. would kind of be weird until like it's, you know, years down the line. And let's say you've got 30 issues and they do a complete goiter box or some shit, you know, but. I feel like it would kind of be weird to have like a quote unquote omnibus of your stuff because you kind of just, you know, it's just so different. Do you feel that way or do you feel like you are okay with all that shit? Well, I didn't feel that way, but I guess I'm going to bother now. <laughs> You'll make more money with more books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't like, I like drawing, like, you know, I like doing these 32 page stories, putting them out as floppies. That's cool, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, like, my idea would be, like, Goiter 2 through 8, and it's just, like, Victory Squad. I don't know if that would be, like, a. I don't know if it would be a good book just by itself. I feel like it's, like, a good, like, ending to okay. a book. As like, this, like, these are the short stories, then this is the big story at yeah. the end. But I don't know, like, the thing I'm working on now, this Tedwood zine, like, the idea is that I just, like, build that up until it's a book. Next question came from uh, Markel Dude, uh, Mark Martinez. He says, will you ever debate Ramon? So I don't know if, like, I guess your listeners probably know. Yeah, if, you're, if they're on the Patreon, they know. But just to give them a little recap, Josh was supposed to come on and have a not. I don't even know what they were going to debate, but just we were supposed to have Josh and Ramon on at the same time. And my logic behind it was they're both the most like opinionated people in comics that I know, and I just figured it would be podcast gold. <laughs> well, the idea was I, he was going to like argue the case for like superhero comics, and I was going to argue the case that I think it's like I think they're done. Superhero, we've done it. It's done, you know, it's holding back the medium at this point. But he's like, you know, he's a better speaker. He's more eloquent. So I, I think he would have won the debate even if he was wrong. So I just wasn't, you know. So no, I, mean, I, I think you it. might be on to something there. Yeah. I mean, there's like a little bit of like Ben Shapiro or something where shit. even when ben, when ben Shapiro says something that's not right, he says it in a way that it sounds like he is. So it's like, I felt like there was, there'll be a bit of that going on. I also don't want it to be like, you know, you guys putting it up like Josh Pettinger wrecked by Ramon. You know? We just make a clip show. <laughs> yeah, YouTube clips. No, yeah, we, yeah. Wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. Even though, to be honest, like usually when Ramon's on, it's just us sitting with him talking for like 48 minutes. So um, we don't really take sides when he's on. We just let him talk and his uh, fan base gives us money. So he seems yeah. like a good guy. Yeah, he's cool. He's cool. He he uh, he plays mind games, but he's cool. <laughs> I think I like I made a joke like as a response to him once and just like on Twitter, which is like, you know, I don't tweet. I, I can't stand Twitter, but I tweeted once, which was in response to him. And it's just like 50 superhero comics people just absolutely making a dick about me. <laughs> just like I just I just like I think I made a good point, but everybody just made me look stupid. <laughs> like I don't want an hour of that. Yeah, yeah he's got a he's got a cult. I think they're called Villa yeah, yeah. Enterprises, if I'm not mistaken. He's actually got his own Discord for just himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. fuck. All okay. Right. Next question. It's from Nicholas Forker. Uh, he asked, describe the path that led you to comics. Go listen to our first episode, Nick. Yeah, yeah I went through that in the first episode. It's, an, it's not an interesting story. Just like I just bought some comics and I liked them and I started making yeah, I them. Say, we covered the origin story in the uh, first episode with Josh. Uh, so mm-hmm. go check that out if you haven't. Yeah. If there's anything we missed, come back and we'll have them back on. All right. All right. Instagram user Pengul underscore Damfu uh, asked, how likely do you think we are to see a future like Victory Squad play out in real life? 
Uh, I hope it's not likely, but I don't know. Like I started that story. I was like the beginning of the pandemic. I was walking around like my neighborhood in Chicago and you know, we all thought like every small business is going to go out of business because they're all, you know, being forced to shut down or whatever. And uh, as I was walking around, I noticed like uh, every single doorstep on my street had like between one and 10 Amazon packages on mm-hmm. the doorstep. So I was just, oh, fuck. This is going to be like in a couple of years, there will only be Amazon. And uh, and if there's only Amazon, that means the only job is going to be Amazon. So yeah, like that comic came out of like a massive fear. And I still think, you know, they're doing things like I, I heard about, like uh, I was reading about, they bought a small town so they can have like people who live and work in Amazon. Yeah, so I think, I, I don't know, it's likely, I think it's likely that if, that if all the wealth's been like moved upwards, I think it's likely that, you know, we'll have a future that is like that. But I think it will be unimaginably more grim. I don't think I'm capable of imagining how grim it's going to be. But it might just all balance itself out. I don't know. I am, for one, looking forward to living in a company town owned by Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. Just everything. Yeah, yeah everything. Yeah. Uh, just on a conveyor belt, like in uh, that movie Up, the Disney movie. Wait, don't you mean Wally? Was that Wally? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What did I say? Up? Uh, yeah, I meant Wally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like uh, Future's like Up. That's fine. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, uh, Instagram user, friend of the show, Drew Drew Hell, Drew B. Hell, asked, tips for remaining non-suicidal and continuing to make comics. First off, Drew, if it ever gets that bad for real, DM me, bro. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how real that is, but I'll just say, like, you know, comics isn't the answer. Therapy is the answer to that. I, I do therapy, like, once a week, and I, I use Open Path, which is, like, a pay-what-you-want therapy thing. I, like, recommend it to everyone therapy yeah i think like about i it sounds like i didn't uh, like assuming from that question but i think like the number one thing is removing your self-worth from your work i like agree if, yeah if, yeah yeah i mean it's like I, I you know i struggle with that basically like you know any amount of praise or any amount of like people not liking my stuff that's how i feel about myself but yeah i think just like if you can therapy my therapist just fired me actually <laughs> but um <laughs> Damn. I, gonna, I didn't know if you were going to bring yeah, that yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, he said – well, he didn't fire me. He said that we shouldn't do weekly anymore and I should like – it helped a ton. Like I don't have night terrors anymore. Or, like a lot of the anxiety I used to have is like therapy helped so much. But it got to the point where I was only talking about comics for an hour <laughs> a week to the therapist. And he's just like, this is like no progress. You just come in and just kind of like – I'm not like – Am I bound by HIPAA laws with that stuff? No, just he is. Right? Just he yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I can. Yeah, you say, can't yeah. sue yourself. Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like. I guess I stopped making progress in it because I would just go in there and like be like, "Yeah, comics is going well." Uh, I got uh, you know, tell him everything about comics for an hour, and, and then I was like trying to like think of things that were like bad in my life. Like I would be there, like, "Wait, did anything go wrong this week?" And. uh yeah, so like progress just stopped. So he's like, we should see each other less. But Drew asked that question. Yeah, I recommend therapy and not attaching your self worth to your work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, comics are, you know, they're fun and, you know, they can be like your life, you know, in the sense of like it's really what you're into, but never let it actually like for real be your life. But, you know, Drew, you make great work. I don't know if you're, you know, not that I think that you're fishing for compliments or anything like that. So I think just continue doing what you're doing as far as your work. And I think you're going to continue to, you know, find your own voice. And uh, yeah, I like Drew. He's a good dude. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think he's he's good because, like, there's also that other type of cartoonist brain where it's like, my work will improve the world. And it's like, no, actually. Yeah, no, yeah, no one gives yeah. a shit. It's a fucking comic. Your comic is not going to improve the quality of life for anyone. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's entertainment. It's, uh, it's like TV or movies or something. It's just, yeah, and it should be fun. It should be like, you should be enjoying it. If you're going to do something like that is like driving you crazy, and it did for me for a while, but if you're doing something that's driving you crazy, you may as well be a banker or a fucking, you know, doctor or something that makes $400,000 a year. All you can do, and I know this sounds horrible, but all you can do is make the work that you enjoy yeah, and what makes you happy. Yeah, and if you're thinking about it from a business aspect, I mean, comics is the worst thing you can get into. Um, so, you know, it, <laughs> oh, well, I really yeah, just want to yeah. double down and just say, like, you got to have fun when you're doing this shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Instagram user, friend of the show, Andy Wyland, uh, actually asked a question that we already covered, but I'll throw it out there in case anybody wants to put a bow on it, uh, or in case you want to put a bow on it, Josh. Uh, how has your location affected your comics? How has the UK, Chicago, LA influenced your work? Yeah, like I said, I, I didn't... Uh... I didn't make comics in England, but I don't know. There's like, um, actually somebody at uh, a permanent damage show said to me that there's like a tonal shift from issue six, which is when I moved to LA. And I think it's just like, um, I think there's just like a little bit more like fun in my comics. I like trying, there's always been like, you know, I've tried to make them funny, but like, I think there's like a weight in Chicago that like weighs on you a little, might just be for me. I don't know, but there's like a weight on you. And I, I feel like, I don't know, there's more emphasis on my comics for, for being, like, funny or, like, fun to read now, which, you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with L.A., but it happened around the time I moved to L.A., so maybe. I do love Chicago, and, you know, it's, like, friends there and everything. I just think um, it wasn't for me, the winter. I, you know, I the winter's just, like, I can't do it. It's too much for me. All right. Harry underscore Dean underscore Wilmot. What up, Harry? Asked, my question, does Josh miss Greg's? Thanks, Cam. Yeah, thank you, Cam. Oh, I think for... that was because he was replying to my story. Thank you for running the show, Cam. <laughs> thank you for letting me be on your show, Cam. Really appreciate it, Cam. Don't do that again, Harry. You see what you're getting me into, bro? Yeah, Greg's is like a pie shop. So I didn't like, I don't. I wasn't like a regular Greg's eater. I was more of a... Uh... Hang on, hang on. Savory or sweet pies or both? Uh, Savory. Oh, okay. They're pasties, but I don't, you know, you don't really get pasties over here. So just say a pie. Like a it's meat like pie? Meat, meat pies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was more of a scotch egg from the spa kind of guy. I'm not, uh, or like a pepperoni. That'll mean something to him. Greg's always seemed a bit like fancy for me. I mean, it's not, but I, yeah, it just looked a bit fancy. There's always a line or something in there. So it's a chain? Yeah, yeah. It's like a chain pie shop. Okay, okay. So, um, Real quick, uh, what do you miss? Before we get out of here, what do you actually miss? If it's not Greg's, what do you miss the most from home? Oh, probably uh, maybe my mother. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair, fair. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, probably my mom. But as far as like food or like a restaurant? I don't um KFC was better there. KFC is shit here, but KFC is like top of the line food there. It's uh you get like a wicked zinger towel meal with hash browns. <sighs> a wicked, wicked zinger. A zinger. What is that? <laughs> a wicked it's like zinger. A zinger bo- <laughs> yeah, a wicked zinger towel meal. It's like a box meal. You get like a wicked zinger towel burger, which has like a hash brown, a spicy chicken burger. Oh, it's a burger. Okay. Comes okay. With, yeah, it comes with like two pieces of uh, chicken, I think a drink, and some fries. 
<laughs> singers. It's so that's a great name. They need to bring that here. I mean, yeah. it sounds pretty good well, actually. I mean, <laughs> KFC, the menu, like the menu here. Obviously, I don't eat KFC, but the menu here is so small. The the chip, the fries are. God, it's probably the worst fast food chain, right? It's up there. Did you try? I know you said you don't eat there. Did you try the Beyond Chicken when they had it, Josh? Yeah, so I went in and it was like um, it's like stringy and tough. It had like tough string in the middle. Yeah, I noticed yeah, that like some, some places would overcook it or something, and it would yeah, make it like yeah, really yeah. tough. Yeah. Oh, it was really yeah. It was very tough. It was um yeah. It was shit. I think fast food is just better in England, mate. Like Pizza Hut is like the best pizza you can get in England. Interesting. Or like it was when I was growing up, but here that's like. I mean, that was the case here too when I was growing yeah. up. Pizza Hut was the pizza joint. It fell off when they started Damn. doing like the ten dollars, whatever the fuck you want. All right, hell yeah. Well, Josh, uh, we definitely appreciate you coming back on. Um, the floor is yours to plug your social medias. Tell everybody what's going on. Whoa, 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 real quick. Oh. We're talking about food in England. We did not bring up Indian food. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, I didn't think of it, but that's probably it. It's like, it's very hard to find a good curry here, like a good vindaloo or a chicken korma or something. It's um, it's always like a, I mean, you can get like fancy restaurants. There was this place in Chicago, the Spice Room, that was very good. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's hard to find a good curry here. You know, like, you don't get the full spread with all like the naan and chutney and all the, you know, everything. Right. It's just very, uh, yeah, bare minimum. Does LA have any good Indian spots? Uh, there's one, um, that I'll go to that has like a nice, uh, nice chickpea curry, mm, but okay. it's like, but I, I don't think I go there cause it's good. I go there cause it's like $4 for a curry. <laughs> and they also, it's inside of a store that sells like English biscuits. So oh I my get, God, like, it some, was made for you. <laughs> yeah. So I get some hobnobs and a $4 curry and I love it. But get a yeah, couple of not, wild zingers and hobnobs. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not really a good wicked zinger. It's a wicked zinger. <laughs> You got to call a comic Wicked Zinger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or at least a story. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty good. All right, yeah. So go back to your plugs. Well, where can people find you? Plug? I don't know. Wait, let me see. What is my Instagram handle? At Josh Pettinger. I think it's underscore Josh underscore Pettinger. Well, it's uh, one of those. It's oh, Josh underscore Pettinger. Goitercomics.com. Uh, you can Google me. I'm the first result. That's nice. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, don't really have much. I don't. My store's empty right now. Might do some reprints soon. So the Werewolf Jones split zine sold out. So is that thing gone forever? Or are you guys going to reprint it? Oh yeah, that one's that's done. We did, we did. So we, uh, I don't think we ever want to package them up again. We so we we spent one day packaging all these comics, and we calculated that we packaged one comic every thirty seconds for six hours. Yeah. Jesus fuck. In 93 degree heat, and I just never want to put anything in an envelope ever again. Why are you sitting in 93 degree heat? Yeah, that sounds like a personal choice you guys made. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no AC. So like when I when I go over to like uh, I, like I go over to uh, Simon's house to draw, I like bring my dog, and so I have have to have the door open so my dog can see me so he doesn't freak out. So it's just because we have to have his studio door has to be open. Mm. So it's just whatever the I temperature mean, is ha- outside. I- and we can't have him in because he will just like, he just licks himself and it starts to smell up the studio and it's, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not good. So the only choice is to just have the boiling California heat right on my face as I draw. So yeah, it's just, uh, that won't be reprinted. Um, actually, I will plug one thing is I made a bunch of prints 
and I made way too many. And it's, it's like a, it's a very nice print. It is, but yeah. I I overestimated how many people want a drawing of a woman throwing a plant pot at someone's head. So I have a lot of those. So if anyone wants to go into my store and buy those, that would be nice. <laughs> you got to sell some like Bob Marley posters. That's where the money's at. Yeah, yeah. I want to get one of those uh, <laughs> like glow in the dark felt posters. Yeah, they need to bring those back for real. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's it. Just the print. Uh, if anyone speaks French, they can go to Zine Panique and get a French comic that they uh, published. All my stuff is actually, you can buy it all in like stores, Secret Headquarters, Gutter Pop Comics. They all still have some copies, I'm pretty sure. Hell yeah. So go to those places. All righty. Well, Josh, yeah, definitely thanks for coming on again. And uh, listeners, as yeah, always. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, dude. And uh, yeah, listeners, as always, stay gutter. Stay <laughs> gutter.